Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right, you know what that means. You are listening to the Mystery of Parenthood, and uh, we're really excited about our topic today. But we'll um, begin, as we always do, with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. Amen. And Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. So here we go. Uh, hey, I'm maybe we should uh, maybe we should also ask uh, maybe Saints Zelie and Louis Martin. Is today their day? No, it's not. Uh, but, but it's apropos to our topic, Trey, because yes, we're talking well, about uh, yeah, that, that, that would know, be parents. Good patron, patron saint, uh, obviously the parents of Saint Teresa of Lisieux, mm-hmm. and uh, who were canonized as as a couple. Mm-hmm. Which hopefully a lot of us out there would cheat for that. That'd be cool. <laughs> I think that's a good thing. I just told, I just told my kids when I die. Hopefully not too soon, but but whenever I die, don't stop praying for me until the church says I'm a saint. <laughs> so. Ah, that's very good advice. And I and I would just say in in no false humility of any kind, it's going to be my wife lifting me right. to Same the heavenly here. realm and me <laughs> dragging her down. No. Hopefully we're we're working together, push and pull. Right? <laughs> we get, we got we got a we. Uh, None of us are perfect, perfect, but we're all striving to do the best that we can with with the grace. And we're we're like we've said before, the through the sacrament of marriage, um, holy matrimony, we're we are promised the graces that we need to uh, do our jobs as husbands and wives, right. and and to do our jobs as uh, parents, mm-hmm. and um, to help each other and our family get to heaven, and mm-hmm. by doing that to help us get to heaven, mm-hmm. and you know. It would be cool to be a saint one day. I know that's what I'm called to be. Yeah. I, I, I look often at what, how I handle things and think, man, I've got a long way to go. Yeah. So, it's going to be a be lot of time and purgatory. with me. But, um, but yeah, so we're talking today about, about parenting, specifically the, the couple working together to help their children be good friends and make it, good friends. Yeah, and I think that's... And I, I've I, never I ne- really I've considered never, that before. I hadn't either, and I found it. I thought, you know, that's a pretty cool topic. I, I think But it you makes complete it, sense. Yeah, you want to you help them. I mean, it's part of socialization, and you're, you're trying to help them do that, but you want them... Um, they need... It's not natural. I mean, it's not true. There, there's some natural ability. We all want to have friends, but... Our job is to try to help coach them to learn how do you how do you make friends and and what does that look like um, and so this is a pretty cool article uh, I think we're going to talk from it I mean I'm not signing off or not but I think it's some good talking points um, in terms of of um, some ideas and um, yeah so it's it's how to help kids make friends twelve evidence based tips you found this from uh, Dr. Gwen DeWar, PhD, from ParentingScience.com. You said you were going to talk about the little blurb at the beginning on yeah, no, I what think it, kids need need to be successful. Before you do that, do you want me to quickly run through the 12 
steps that she gives. I'll just read those yeah, titles. Go ahead. And we're not going to, the likelihood, yeah. no, we're going to talk too much and not get There's through all There's way of them. too we'll much come. here for us yeah. to get all the way through today. Uh, so here's the 12 tips <clears throat> Show your child warmth and respect. Don't try to control your child through threats, punishments, or emotional blackmail. So show them warmth and respect. Number two, be your child's emotion coach. I think that fits very well yeah. with, with some of the mystery of parenthood steps. Three, nurture your child's ability to empathize and read minds, quote unquote. Four, provide a secure social environment. Five, address your child's aggressive or disruptive behavior problems. Six, teach your child these crucial conversation skills uh, that she goes to lay out. Seven, host social activities that encourage cooperation, not competition. Eight, show your child how to handle awkward social situations. Nine, help kids learn the art of compromise and negotiation. Ten, teach your child how to express remorse and make amends. Eleven, encourage your child to be understanding and forgiving of other people's mistakes. And twelve, we can tell that being an Aggieland is rubbing off on Trey over the years, going for something with a twelve, a list right, of exactly. twelve. Of course. Of course. 12, monitor your, your child's social life, but be careful about becoming too controlling, especially as your child gets older. So those are, those are the 12 tips yeah, and I think, for guiding them into friendship. And the, so there's a ton to talk about. We'll do it. I've, I think that starting with the end in mind and, I, and looking at this, I would agree that not only do our kids, you know, like what, 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 is, what are successful you know, elements of a good friend? I mean, mm -hmm. if the end in mind is to try to help them with this, and, and she has some... I think some good um, points here, uh, to be honest, I mean, all of us probably could work <laughs> on striving for these things. So mm -hmm. th just real quickly, you know, regulate their own negative emotions or your own negative emotions. Um, I still have to deal with that personally. <laughs> um, understand other people's emotions and perspectives. So I guess it would be somewhat empathetic or empathy. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's the right use of that word, but... That's not a word that she uses. That's not even catechism. That's just Trey. So, <laughs> so uh, I don't know where we're going. So, I don't okay. either. Show sympathy <laughs> and offer help to friends in need. Uh, four, feel secure and trusting of other people. Five, know how to handle introductions and participate in conversation. Uh, mm -hmm. Next is be capable of cooperation, negotiation, and compromise. Uh Next is know how to apologize and to, and how to make amends. And then the last one is to be understanding and forgiving of other people's mistakes. And so that's what we're working towards. I mean, honestly, when I read that, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's something we all, that list is something we all should work on. But in this case, we're looking at, you know, ways we can help our children to cultivate those characteristics so that they can make friends mm -hmm. um, because good friends are, are, I mean, so important to a healthy mm -hmm. child of a good, healthy to, to a healthy life uh, to have good friends. So, and, and I would say right off the bat to bring our Catholic faith in here, those first two bullet points, regulate your own negative emotions, understand other people's emotions and perspectives. I mean, that's, that's golden rule stuff right there. That's right. loving others as you want to be loved, treating other people the way you want them to be them to treat you. Um, so that's that's basic to the Absolutely. gospel. And so all those things are, and I, I don't get the impression this. I, I found this through a Catholic site. Um, I'm not certain what the faith of this person is. As with with most things, if it's true, it's true, and it's if mm -hmm. it's true, it's ultimately found mm -hmm. in what Christ has revealed to us about ourselves. Right. So, so um, I thought there was enough good points here, or a lot of good points, more than we can touch on mm -hmm. um, here to kind of go through. The first one is, as she mentioned, so she says, okay, there's twelve con concrete ways that we can help kids make friends, and that's the twelve that that uh, Thaddeus 
read for us. But the first one. It's a 12 step program, but of a, of a different st- hey, of a different story. 12 apostles. I mean, 12 is 12, a great 12 number. steps. 12, 12 steps, 12 uh-huh. everything. But the first one that he read was uh, show your child warmth and respect. Don't try to control your child through threats, punishments, or emotional, quote unquote, blackmail. And she makes the point, which is, is what does that have to do with, with making, helping them make friends? Mm-hmm. Well, as she says, and they catch more than, you know, you're more is caught than taught. Yep. I mean, all you're doing is showing them <laughs> that warmth and respect of another person are typically good starting points to any potential relationship to dealing with just people um, that we should do that. And so we're modeling it for them. And I think that's, that's something that can't be lost. I mean, you know, I was, you get these 12 steps and you think, okay, if I do these things, that's it. But the one that can undermine the whole thing is everything you're teaching them that you violate and how you deal with them yourself, because they're going to hypocrisy and, and they're going to notice that. And they're also going to be more likely to copy you <laughs> over time. I mean, at a as fit at a fifty seven year old, yep. you know, the best yep. and worst of my parents, I can still hear when words come of my out of my mouth, both positive and negative, mm-hmm. are more what my parents, how they parented me, <laughs> than than them having taught that, and and particularly if they're if it's a emotional moment, you tend to revert to kind of what you know. It yeah. kind of just goes back. So we're trying we're trying to do that. So I think um it's important to make sure that you understand that whatever you're teaching them, you need to try to implement that in your own life. And the, we always want to begin with if we're going to deal with another person, that with it starts with respect. Whether no matter what differences you may have with them, at least respect them. So um, she kind of goes and this was something we were talking about before the show. Um, she was talking about authoritarian parenting, which I guess she um, describes as an approach to caregiving that emphasizes absolute obedience, low levels of warmth, and an attempt to control behaviors through threats, punishments, and shaming. And we were talking about how, you know, as my old professor, you got to define your terms and we're not, she's not here to define those terms, but there's a fine line, I think, between what I would call, and we've talked about it, our definition of authoritarian parenting. We always said our, my thought was when we talk about authoritarian parenting, not authoritative parenting. So authoritative is what we want. Authoritarian parenting we always use, which she does not talk about here, the idea of, of trying to get externals controlled, like getting an outward response and that being the focus solely. I, I, I want them to show obedience. Well, we want, all want that. But I think an authoritative parent is one that's going to say, oh, I want the outward obedience. But more than anything, I want their heart. I want them to actually want to do that. And the way you do that is not by being wimpy, I don't think. It's not by letting them do whatever they want. It's being a parent, and sometimes that means correction, but with all due respect, (laughs) sometimes that means punishment. But the goal has always got to be two things. One, their conversion, right? They're turning around from whatever they're doing, and ultimately a heart that is more concerned about the relationship that they have than just the outward. Because... Any parent out there has had a parent has parented for any stretch of time, particularly if they've gotten to the early teen years, maybe you know the tween years, <laughs> knows what outward what outward obedience looks and sounds like. That is not really <laughs> obedience, because yeah. I mean I've done it myself. The you know a rolling of the eyes or. I'm sorry when you know the everything about it. I'm sorry. You, you know. <laughs> that communicates, okay, you don't really mean that. So what, because, so as a Catholic, we're always going to talk about the fact that as parents, we understand our children as well as ourselves to be this, this 
integrated whole of body and soul of matter and spirit, right? That, 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 that it's integrated. That's what it means to be human for those two things to go together. We can do things with our bodies that our spirit says we shouldn't, right? That's, that would be sin, right? And then we can also do things with our heart without actually doing it. So, cause sometimes when we, when we, we don't, we know we should apologize, but we don't do it out of pride, right? So we don't actually go and concretely mm-hmm. show up there. Mm-hmm. And what we're trying to get at, both in ourselves and with our children, is this understanding of us as a whole person. And we kind of want to strive for alignment of what's going on inside with what's being shown on the outside. And I think that was actually one of the questions that you, one of the points that you were make before the show with regard to you know, showing affection, but wait a second, if, if we're in an argument. Right. And, and, I, and I think that points to the fact, you can say, my mother was always important, like if we're separating and we had been in an argument or if whatever, we were dealing with something, it was time to go to bed or something was stopping it from being handled, your mom would say, we're going to say I love you because we do love one another. Even though we disagree, may not even like you right now. But, mm-hmm. but I still love you mm-hmm. so that we can do that. We might even hug, but it's a different hug than when you actually have been reconciled to the person. Mm-hmm. So I think in terms of making friends, everybody appreciates an authentic person. An authentic person is somebody who doesn't lie with their body or with their mouth. They don't, they don't do things just because they think that's what's going to get the best outcome. Right. They, they're, they're, it's, they're all there. And that's something that's taught. That's a pitching pennies. You have to talk through it and you have to live it. And so we were talking about, do you, do you hug when you have it? And I, and I, at least my opinion is you have to say what's true. I still love you. Whatever's happened, that's not going to impact that, but we still have an issue. Our relationship has been tarnished because you lied, because you cheated, because you, right we're disrespectful because you didn't obey whatever it is. And there's a break in that relationship. Mm-hmm. They need to understand there's a break in that relationship and the way to do that. And again, you're not just teaching in the family, you're teaching them the relationship of the God uh, between them and God, mm-hmm. because ultimately what has to happen in any relationship and certainly between them, is to admit what I did was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. I'm agreeing that I shouldn't have done it and I'm coming back to you asking for forgiveness and trusting that you're going to have mercy on me from that because I'm more concerned about the relationship that we have than my personal preference or my personal comfort or my pride. I'm more concerned about the relationship being broken. So if you can teach that in a family and in friendships, then they're learning what the way it is with the church. And why is confession, reconciliation, and penance so important? Because it's a concrete manifestation of what is going on inside of you, right? I mean, you're showing up and you are calling your calling spades spades and hearts hearts and whatever else and and being honest with yourself and with the Lord about what, what you've done and then asking for, for, for forgiveness, which again, we're kind of moving forward here. But I think what, I, what I'm saying is we have to have warmth, but warmth doesn't mean always warm and fuzzies. Right. We have to have respect, but respect doesn't mean at the expense of, hey, there's a way you have to respect me too. Not that that's it's a, a two-way street. It's a two-way street. Not not necessarily like I'm not going to respect you if you don't respect me, but two people who are going to be friends, a parent and a child, respect should be mutual mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. And we, being the bigger person, <laughs> should be the ones to show what that respect looks like. Looks yeah, like and, even in a disagreement. Yeah, and you know this calls to mind that with the older two lately who are approaching their their teen years we have tried to concretize some of these um 
you know, discipline, behavior, kinds of personal character things for them, uh, the, the importance of them going forward in their lives by talking to them about, okay, so when you have roommates in college or after college and, and you're living and sharing the same space, the same um, items with, with people, you know, your roommates aren't going to appreciate it if you're always the guy that leaves his dirty cereal bowl out on the, the table. Like Absolutely. you got, they're not going to be excited if you just, even if you just put it in the sink and, right. and you're never the one that does the dishes. And likewise, you're not going to like it if you're not going to like the, the guy, the roommate who is the, is the roommate who never does the, never does the dishes and, and always just puts them in the sink. So don't be that person. Don't be that guy, as they say. And where to work on it. And so we're work. that's why we're on you about it now. That's why we're calling it to your attention now. And, and, and then trying to, one of my children has a, has a tendency to take some of these human formation kind of directions as a moral failing and constantly we're, so we have to often step back and say, this doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you need to go to confession. Um, you haven't sinned. I mean, maybe it's some, well, some deep level that that's a sign of there's some sin there. Um, but this is just a part of growing up and part of learning how to take responsibility for yourself and learning how to be respectful and considerate of other people. It, right. It's it's human formation. It's learning how, how to have character. And and you, I'm going to so say don't get down on yourself. Don't right, get, don't, and, don't and take I'm going to say so something that I think is an extension, but I think you're you're kind of already saying it. But I, but I think that always when you're working with your kids, the way you frame it is someday if we do our job. Well, you're going out into this world. Right. It's some some in small doses, like maybe you're going to school and coming back home, but ultimately you're going to go out and have a job. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, hopefully, God willing, you're going to have a spouse. You're certainly probably going to have roommates and people you work with. Our job is to try to help you today by how you deal with your people here mm-hmm. in this house, understand what's going to make you a good husband or a good wife? What's going to make you a good roommate? What's going to make you a good worker? Because ultimately we want you to be successful. We want you to be faithful. We want you to be a good person when you walk out of here. So don't take our correction. We all fail. And I think that again gets back to something we've talked multiple times about. When we do fail, we need to, that's part of modeling too, which is not exactly what she's talking about here, but we have to model to them our willingness to quickly call ourselves out when we when we reprimand inappropriately or we jump to a conclusion or whatever so that they can see that quick turnaround. Because um, modeling is always going to be where most of it comes, which is a little scary. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, because you know, I mean, in, in my worst moments, it's I revert back to just the the natural not not thinking through this you know we're sitting here talking and the, it's the movie naturally you no, take no, guidance no, from the movie what no, the natural how many people out there even know what the natural is but i love that movie robert redford for yeah. all you ladies yeah but <laughs> but um but anyway um I, but i think you we have to be thinking about this and when we fail to be warm or when we fail to respect them appropriately by listening to them, by the way we talk to them, um, when it's inappropriate. Because sometimes the answer is, as we've said, sometimes the answer you can demand is, yes, dad, yes, mom. That used to always be our beginning. It was always when we say something to direct, the only proper answer is, yes, mom, or yes, dad initially. And if they're, if there's something they don't like about it, they're, they, they could always come back humbly and say, you know, may I add something to this or may I ask why, or may I do whatever? And that provides you the opportunity, hopefully most of the time to say, yes, you got something else to tell me, <laughs> I'll listen to it. But sometimes the answer is no, not now, 
you, you can ask why later. Right now you're going to do what I tell you to do because we don't have time for you for us to discuss this. Right. It needs to be done. You need to get in the car. Right. Because <laughs> we're leaving. Right. You know, whatever it is. So sometimes when you read articles like this, you get the impression, and there's no way to know without the defining of terms, that maybe this is the less firm type of parenting. Doesn't necessarily mean that. But I just like to point out that firmness is not not being warm. Firmness mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. sometimes the most loving thing to do. Setting limits, sometimes the most, you know, even correcting, <laughs> those are all things. But we have to ask ourselves, ultimately, are we modeling appropriately respect and warmth? And then on the, on the other side, I think it's important for us to just kind of remember, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Go figure. Well, Fifty-seven years old. That's okay. I can I, I can jump in with with another point, maybe a point yeah. of criticism on this. Number one, I think also you know it's it's important with within reason for parents to. You've kind of already spoken to this, but I'm just kind of reiterating it or going a little bit further to respond honestly to the ways that their children act. Right. Or so. speak. Right. So positively and negatively. So there are there are times and occasions where it's appropriate for your child to see when when she responds um, snarkily that the response that she gets back from you is is not a not it's a so, pleasant one. It's right. not an enjoyable one. It's not a friendly one. It's not a nice one. Because if they don't ever see that then they're going to be uh, socially pathological. Right. Yeah, you don't, I think, I've always wanted to be known as being honest with with them. And I can use it both ways. I think the thing is you can focus on the negative, the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. I think you really have to act actively look for the good stuff. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times you say, well, that's what we expect of them. Mm-hmm. But, if you leave it at that and the only thing they get from you is a negative over time, mm-hmm. that's what they view as parenting. So I think a, a part of the warmth is notice when they are, when they responded appropriately, notice when they handle it <laughs> appropriately, when they say something nice, when that's called for, mm-hmm. when they do somebody else's chores, notice that. Yeah. And you have I, to, and you have to reward them when they, come to you with genuine affection and excitement and and joy to to tell to tell you something however small it might be in their day you know right. it's important to make to make a point to stop and listen and interact and and mirror back to them that same joy and excitement right you and want pleasure you want even build, if it's even if it's something relatively minor that always pays dividends those little small gestures, whatever way that, that the dividend is when they get older, you want them to come back to you (laughs) and feel like I can not, if I do this, I'm going to get that again. You know? (laughs) And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I don't really need to ask. I'm not going to do it. You don't want that. You want a kind of an openness that again, I think in general, the way I'd understand warmth and respect would mean you would do it warmly and with respect. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means not letting them get away with something. Right. You know? Right. So, um, because you're better than that. I mean, that you know, you, I would expect more from you. You know, and that's not shaming you at that point. That's just a, hey, you're, you're, you're better than that. And sometimes that's a way to correct, too, is to actually say, I know you're better than that. Yep. I mean, to, and that's not even... Guilt, it's just like you, you're capable of so much more. <laughs> That's right. I've seen you do it. That's you right. Know? So anyway, um, the next one is number two. So the first one was about warmth and respect. The second one is um, be your child's emotion coach. I, I think that is something that I think we tried to work on, particularly with emotions like anger or fear. Uh, particularly with those, those can come up when they're younger. We, we, uh, 
we used to, when they were little, if they would get angry because they didn't get what they wanted or something didn't go their way when they were little, we used to, and, and it's a great exercise to show you the, the, the link between what's going on inside and what's going on outside. Mm. We, when, when they would lose their temper, we taught them, this is what self-control looks like. And we would teach them to interlock their, interlock their hands. So we see they're about to blow. <laughs> and we said, get, get in self-control. Now, I can't do it. I'll do it for, for but, but literally, I remember Trevor as a young child, he, knowing he's about to blow, get in self-control, he'd link those hands. They would turn blue because he'd squeeze it, and literally he would shake. But he learned, okay, I've got I've, I've to do something other than just letting what I'm feeling <laughs> go out there. I can still use that mm-hmm. because sometimes the answer, even if you're angry, is to get, you know, get in self-control so that you can at least manage. The anger by itself is not sinful. Sometimes it, it, there's a holy anger that comes out there because it's appropriate to be angry, but it's your expression of that anger that makes a difference. Right. So you got to coach them, give them tools um, to do that. Fear was a was another thing especially at, like at night when you're when the kids I can remember doing this okay you know I'm I'm scared okay how do we handle scared laying down with them and talking through so here's what I do when I'm scared you know I'll say to myself Jesus I trust in you Jesus I trust in you why don't we try that for like let's do that for like a minute <laughs> you know to give them a tool for okay when you feel this this is an appropriate response and I don't think those naturally come. If you don't actually work with them on, okay, here's a trick for dealing with that. It sounds, you know, squirrely, but it, it always worked. You look very upset, get in self-control, and they would just put their hands together, folded, and just sit Did there. you have any kids who said... <laughs> No, I don't want to get in self-control. We started, I want to let it blow out. What did you do if they if they didn't want to well, that's you know, just, take your guidance? Then we just say that's that's inappropriate. You're in a group here. It's probably most appropriate now for you to probably leave the room because that's that's not the appropriate response. And if you had to move them over there. The thing is, and I think a lot of people think that you can't teach this. We taught this, we taught this as early as sometimes in a high chair. <laughs> when we saw they're about to blow to Did you, forcibly put, you put their, their hands, hands together together and say, this is self-control and squeeze as hard as you want, <laughs> but get control. And it, it's amazing what that, I, I, I don't know what the magic is. I do think it's some sort of like I'm holding on to something and it, it, it provides an outlet other than our mouths or fists, whatever might come as a result. You're putting it there and you sit in that. And to teach them young enough to where when you're saying, I mean, if you're going to teach it to them when they're seven or eight and they've always done that, it, it, it's going to be more difficult Sure, sure. than if you teach them when they're younger. Um, and the other thing that with coaching them, and we used to always say, you know, the, the first response, if you're getting upset because you're not getting your way and we have, we've already got control is to teach them the best thing to do is communicate. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, what what would you what is causing you to be upset? Well, I I would like another piece of candy, or I would like another serving of whatever, or I, I want more milk, or whatever it is. We would say, okay, think through this. What what are you wanting? Now communicate that. So actually say that. So with even with little kids, with little kids, like if they were if they were eating and they'd run out and they're starting to get antsy because there's other things going on, but we can tell they want it. Okay, we would say, okay, more, and we would teach them the more sign. See, I'm just saying, early on, you can give them even before they can speak the ability to communicate teach them certain signs so that when they do it and what they learn from an early age is the way things work out best (laughs) 
is when I communicate, not when I lose my temper. And what you can't do, I mean, which, which was one that we just said, we will not do it. If a temper tantrum happens, whatever they want, they ain't getting it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they will never be rewarded by that. They're not going to get it. And so when we saw that, we'd say, okay, and if they did that and we lost it and they didn't do it, we'd come back to it. And what would you say? Being an emotional coach, you'd say, here's how you should have handled that. You wanted that. You should have said, mom, dad, I'd like more of that. Or I'd like so-and-so to share with me, or I'd need to talk to them. And again, Mm -hmm. the earlier you do this, Mm-hmm. the better because mm-hmm. the same stuff I'm dealing with now is mm-hmm. stuff that I probably didn't uh, work on as much when I was mm-hmm. younger, but you got to uh, give them tools out ways out. Right. Of, and I, and I think, situation. you know, down at the bottom of that number two, she talks about on the flip side, studies suggest that kids develop weaker self-regulation skills when their parents react dismissively. You're just being silly or punitively go to your room to their children's negative emotions. And right. I mean, I, I think I see what she's talking about and I'm, she lists these studies, but I also, from my own experience, you know, with a two-year-old, it's different. You, there's a point where putting them and saying, okay, you're going to timeout. I'm putting you in timeout because I have tried to uh, direct you, like redirect you into how you need to ask for this, or I have tried to say, you know, not right now, not definitively no, but just you can't have it not not yet. And there's the explosion. Maybe I've tried to, you know, get you to be in self-control and, and that's not working. Well, putting them in timeout and basically showing them that when a human being acts this way, they lose community. They lose relationship. They lose. They lose rights. I mean, <laughs> they I lose mean, rights. I yeah. mean, you know. But you're you're forfeiting your you're for, kind of forfeiting your place in this in this family in this group of of people, 100%. and the, and that's gonna that's gonna be true throughout your whole life. And then, so and I don't think that that's acting punitively as a parent. I don't think so either. I think I think also you know we we always said. Because it's true. The best time to instruct is out at points of non-conflict. Mm-hmm. So it's not best to, const- you know, <laughs> to instruct on how to do self-control when they're, for the first time, having that. You've got to say, okay, listen, there's going to be times when we do it, this is what it looks like. But when something like that happens and they lose community because they've misbehaved and we're not going to respond, we're not, you know, terrorists are not going to get what they want. Yeah, we don't negotiate with we terrorists. We don't negotiate with terrorists. You know, you'll go over when when the time is up, then you go back and reformulate the situation and you say, let's practice. This is what you wanted. What would be the most appropriate way to remain in community mm-hmm. and for you to, what well, what might you say? And they may say something that's partially true. Oh, that, that's good. But how about, what if you said this? I bet I would have, you know, as a parent, I bet I would have responded better to your request had you handled it this way. Now, again, a two-year-old's different. And I think at a two-year-old, you're really kind of saying you may not be able to understand fully <laughs> what's mm-hmm. going on. I may not be able to articulate what's, but, but you're going to learn one thing <laughs> that behavior is not going to work. Right. You're not going to get what you want. Right. And I think you're doing, you're not only doing yourself a favor, <laughs> you're doing everybody you run into contact with at stores, restaurants, whatever, a favor to do that. So again, what are we after? We're after their heart Mm-hmm. We're always saying we're instructing you because this is going to make you better at making friends. It's going to make you better at your job. And one day we, it's going to make you be a better mommy and da- or daddy. That's why we're doing this. It's going to make you a better priest if that's what a you're called pri- to. A better priest, whatever. Uh, I mean, whatever you're calling in life, what we're teaching you is going to help you right. do better. Right. And that's why we're taking time to do it. Um, so I do, I do agree with her not to be dismissive in terms of you're just overreacting and leave it at that. 
you are overreacting. No, no joke. You are overreacting. <laughs> what? What's what? So you're, screaming at the top of your lungs. Yeah, I mean, it's is not, overreacting. It, it, I mean, you're overreacting in so, every situation, right? So, and I've I've done it recently, but but I think I think I think you've got. <laughs> hey, go we don't back. need to revisit. We, we already need to revisit that. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that. But 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 I think you know when they when they overreact to extract them from the situation, and then I think it's really important because I think it's good for us spiritually and just pragmatically as human beings I to really work at identifying what is causing this for me like what is going on to teach them oh yeah to be able to get down to okay this is what bothers me about this and say that is way better for you to take time to try to figure that out and then articulate it <laughs> This bother, this is bothering me because whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's a skill. That's mm-hmm. not something, you know, because I think there's plenty of people out there you can find who aren't able to identify it. They're just angry and they've never been told that's an inappropriate handling of the anger. So right, right. anyway, we're, we're going really fast. <laughs> um, Number three, unless you had anything more on that. No, no. Number, I think that number was three good. is nurture your child's ability to empathize and quote unquote read minds. So at the heart of that is we have to be able to look at another person, read their body language, hear what they're saying, which again flows right out of respecting the other person, right? I mean, they I owe them that. So um what she said, they, you know, they need to understand the emotions and perspectives of others. Um, I, I think we need to, there's a good question you can ask. Like, what do you think that, how would you think that would have made you feel if that had happened? Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's because you did some, you know, maybe it's you did it, but maybe it's just in a situation where they just like you are, have watched an interaction maybe between two other kids and you get them to explain wh- what was the argument or what what unfolded from their perspective and then put them on both sides and have them as they get older be able to say well how how would that how would that have made you feel because it is important to try to put yourself in another person's shoes i mean that's part of being a christian it's part of being a good person is to say i don't really like what they're saying or I don't really like what they're doing, mm-hmm. but I need to. So even at this age, you know, when the kids were growing up and they would say something that like, well, this kid is a bad kid. He does whatever. I would always try to say, you know what? You don't know what their life is like. I mean, here you got somebody you can tell that to, but let's start from a place of maybe things aren't so good at home. You know, maybe we could be, at least forbearing, you know, have some forbearance for them. Some, okay, we'll give them a break. Uh, Or at least try to understand that they're not the same. Um, And I think that's that's important. And maybe that's a good place to to jump down to number six, which was the teacher child these crucial conversation skills. Yeah. Um, Well, jumped out for you on that one. Um, well, here's here's some of the yeah. some of the tips that she offers. Um, yeah. When starting a conversation with someone new, trade information about your likes and dislikes. Don't be an interviewer. Don't merely ask questions. Offer information about yourself. Don't be a conversation hog. When engaged in conversation, only answer the question at hand. When you're done, give your conversation partner the chance to talk. Right, and I think I mean those are all super. Good skills. I mean, the first one, that's how you actually, I mean, that's ultimately, uh, you know, the point of convergence of two people who don't know each other. You know, when I think about my best friends, there was always something that we liked a lot together. You know, I, you know, I will try not to say it too loud here, but I'm, I'm a tea sipper. I went to Texas and some of my best, and some of my, and some of my best friends from way back, I became friends with because of that. Others, one of my best friends, hated Texas. He was a Baylor fan, but he loved football as much as I did. So sometimes finding those likes and dislikes together is is what. So 
when you're around something to be able to say, you know, man, I really love this kind of food. Mm -hmm. Oh man. And me too. You know, do you like crawfish? I mean, what, you know, those type of conversation starters, you know, where'd you go to school? Don't just interview, let, let them listen. One thing that I know on this show and in other places, that last one's really important is learning to just stop talking. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's that's a hard one. Just to, stop to talking. Say. Well, just, you know, say I'm going to let somebody else say right. something. And then evaluate. I mean, I find this in some cases where I might have a thought in a group maybe, and I'm like, I, I need to think through, is it worth adding? What What is the addition why am I adding it? I mean, those are things I think an adult, adult does, but to teach them to think through, am I just trying to get attention or trying to show off? Or is this because, oh, wow, I, you know, that's a really cool thing and jump in that way that would extend the conversation. Um, we all know people and I'm, you know, I've been there and we probably have done it ourselves where we interject just to interject, not because there's something that I'm adding to the conversation. I, I think, I don't see it listed here in any of the 12, but I think in terms of conversation, I think a good practice is an old adage, which is don't toot your own horn. You know, right. let let other people talk about your accomplishments or find, if, if you're going to talk about something that, reflects well on yourself bring other people into or acknowledge other people's con contributions to Absolutely. your successes right and and there's you know that there's good scriptures for that i mean humble yourself under the mighty hand of god and in due time he will exalt you you know to to, to humble yourself again humility doesn't mean you're not good at you may be the best in the room at it but if you are the best everybody else knows it <laughs> So yeah. there's no need. If you really are the best. If yeah. you really are the best, everybody else knows it. That's good. And, and you don't you don't need to actually say anything um, for it. And in fact, it may mean that you just being kind or lifting up another person might have a tremendous impact on that. To be thinking about how can I lift somebody else up? Yeah, and I've I've been really proud of one of my children recently. This child won an award for some academic accomplishments, and I've noticed how. This child has, in talking about it in some conversations I've been kind of near and been able to overhear, this child has consistently um, talked about it by talking about how the way, that, the way that the award was made publicly was such that they, they thought that they weren't going to actually get the award because they didn't get recognized in the part of in the earlier part of the uh -huh. award ceremony because the award ceremony is structured that the 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 best award was last and they were expecting to be early on early in on. the in the awarding and then they weren't and so for a part of the time they thought okay I guess I I guess they didn't get an award I guess and that's okay and so kind of humbling themselves that that when they weren't awarded earlier on they're acknowledging that they were they were expecting that they were they were only expecting the the first level of award right and, and then when they were graced by getting a higher level award yeah. they expressed gratitude they were they were demonstrating gratitude in how they talked about it because right. of how they had kind of structured right. the story does that make sense what i'm yeah, saying yeah i think so and i think it's a great a great example I mean, I think on anything, because your kids are going to have gifts. And in some cases, they're going to be maybe exceptional. It's something, you know. I think a couple things that are important, you know, number one, if you're good at something and you do well, it's because God gave you those gifts. <laughs> I mean, it's whatever you have as a that you're good at is you're working with what God has given you as a gift. So, That's right. So, any, so to always point back to that. That doesn't undermine the fact that you worked hard, not at all. But always remember that that some people, their best may be a lot less than yours, but they're actually doing more with the gifts that God's given them in that than you are. Because mm -hmm. sometimes the answer is, yeah, you, but you could be better given what 
God has given you. Mm-hmm. And, and so to always have that humility also is to make sure that they understand if they are a gift and somebody says, man, you're really good at that, that the answer is no, I'm not, or that's not, that's not a humble answer. The humble answer is thank you very much. Right. Uh, you know, I'm thank God. I mean, or I praise God or something like that, that points away, but acknowledges that is yeah, I've had truth. great coaching or I've had great teachers. Yeah. I, what you, those type of things, you teach them how to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and then teach them that they don't necessarily, they don't have to toot their own horn. Right. I've always found that, you know, I always tell with the kids going up in football, the guys that were the most obnoxiously conceited were generally good, but they weren't as good as some other guy. The best guy at our high school I'm not saying this is always the case, but the best guy at our high school in football was the the most outward, supportive, somebody who taught, because everybody knew he was the best. He, he didn't ever have to toot his own horn. Right. And so that's what I always try to tell my kids. If you are good at something, just remember it's because other people, God first, but the other people who've worked with you are the ones that help you get there. So there's that humility, and then remember, other people are looking at you because <laughs> you're the best. Right, so right. you have you have responsibility at that point. So and speaking of uh, being the, being the best, we have uh, done a great job of getting through, getting through four of twelve. Four of twelve. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but hopefully it was helpful. I mean, I you know I I like always having like something to kind of spawn a conversation, and then and then especially when they're quality, which I thought this was. But um, anyway, hope it was helpful. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. And always remember, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. Always will. God bless. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.